Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Sisters. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. It's the last day of March, March 31st, Tuesday, March 31st. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. This time I'm joined by my sister Julie in Dallas, Texas. Julie, you're back at home. Does it feel good to be yes, you know, back in uh, the Lone Star State? Uh, yeah, you weren't sure what to call it. I, I couldn't recall for just a second what Texas' Yeehaw! nickname was. Yes, Leanne. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be home. I, I enjoyed my assignment in Brooklyn. I feel my work was done. I felt like... Uh, Josephine is properly launched, uh, and things things are good, Leanne. Excellent, excellent. Well, I know we have more baby news on the way. You have a whole baby pod. So yes. uh, if you're tracking the latest in baby news, stay tuned. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. We're also going to talk about uh, a New York Times op-ed piece that someone posted on our Facebook page about colleges creating safe spaces uh, for students to discuss or not discuss controversial ideas. Uh, we're going to talk about that. I have exciting dog news that I'm going to share. Really, Liam? Yep. Yep. Exciting dog news. And then, um, Julie, you have for more magazine, 15 habits of rich people. And so yes. I'm so psyched to hear that. Leon, all we have to do is adopt, the, mimic these habits, and money is going to start rolling in. <laughs> is the first one make a lot of money? Is that the first one? Uh, <laughs> and then we are we have we are gearing up for Sister Sassnatch. We'll be coming back next week. Uh, our recap of the Outlander TV series, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but first, we're the Satellite Sisters. If you're new to the show, I encourage you to go to SatelliteSisters.com, and you can read all about us. We have a brand new website. It's very easy to read our bios. You can listen to tons of shows there. You can scroll through old blog posts. I mean, if you really have nothing better to do, you can scroll through old blog posts. Um, but there's just a lot of information there, and we welcome you to the Satellite Sisterhood. You can find us on Facebook, of course. We have a Facebook page, an official page, and then we have a group that you can ask to join where everyone in the Satellite Sisterhood likes to mix it up a little bit. Postings all week. It's a lot of fun to be over there. Um, but we have a special other thing you can do. You can contribute to our new book. You're the best. A celebration of friendship is coming out in September from Prospect Park Books. It's a book that celebrates female friendships and their importance in our life. It's touching. It's funny. And I can say that because I've just finished editing all the pieces. <laughs> Leanne's in charge of the book. And so you know it's good. I mean, she's an award-winning, uh, best-selling author. So we, we feel like all the, the rest of the Satellite Sisters felt like the uh, book material is in good hands with Leanne in charge. Well, it has been so fun to read through everyone's essays and different kinds of writings. We have a lot happening. We have um, reached into the next generation of Satellite Sisters. So our nieces on the Dolan side are all contributing to the book from 15 to 32. It's fantastic to read their voices and what they have to say and what their friends mean to them. So it's been really fun. But we have a couple more pieces to finish before we send everything to the publisher. And that is where we need your help, Satellite Sisterhood. So last week you did a fantastic job. I asked you 
you for the name of your group of girlfriends. And you sent in a bunch of names. And you know <laughs> it's hilarious, Leanne. It's hilarious. And I just it's so fun to see them all together, isn't it, Julie? Just mm-hmm. everyone has a name for their group of friends. And we knew it and we wanted to hear it. And some are, you know, some are wacky, some are funny, some are simple, but they reveal simple truths about the group. So Loved it. So check, you did that assignment. This week, uh, I was going to roll out just one assignment, but I have to roll out two because of time. Um, I have two assignments for you would-be writers out there. If you would like to contribute to YTB, you're the best. You can go to SatelliteSisters.com. All right. The first I previewed on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to think of three words to describe your best friend or a particular friend and just write those three words down. All right. Three words. That's it. We're looking, we're looking for adjectives, uh, you know, whatever, (laughs) or well, adjectives probably would be best. I mean, nouns, not as descriptive, but three words. I'm going to leave that up to you. And then the second assignment is, uh, this is, um, this is fun. This is based on one of Sheila's essays and I won't give it away, but, um, uh, I want you to think of a fictional character Mm-hmm. either from a book, television, movies, or a celebrity that you think you actually could be best friends with. Okay. So, oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a good assignment. Leah. If you, yeah. Is it, you know, is it, is it Amy Poehler's character from Parks and Recreation? Could you be her best friend? Yes. Is it Mary uh-huh. Tyler Moore? You know, fine. Is it Emma? Uh, that would be fine too. You know, mm-hmm. whoever you think you, is it Hester Prynne? Maybe you're that kind of girl. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so that is your assignment. You have two assignments. I'm going to create a special blog post at SatelliteSisters.com because we do require that you read the legal disclaimer so that would we are able to use your material. So you have to answer on the on the blog and you'll have uh, through um, the end of the week to do it. So you can answer two, two, two questions at once. So thank you for your contribution last week. If you are interested in this one, go to SatelliteSisters.com. And I'll also put a link on the Facebook page and I'll put a link on Twitter. So you'll be able to find the link all week. It won't be a problem, but that's it. So three words right. to describe your best friend uh-huh. and then... Your fictional best friend. Your fictional best friend. But there's no guarantee that you can be in the book. We, you told us that too, right? Right. I, that, I did have to deliver those that are flow. The rules. Okay. Those are the rules, people. Okay. Leon, Leon is tough. You know, she wants a really, she, you know, she has very high standards. So she has told all of us that there's no guarantee that if we submit things, if we drop things in the Dropbox, that it's going to end up in the final book. It's just true. You know, you want it to be sharp. You want it to be tight. But I have faith in the Satellite Sisterhood because they did a fantastic job on the first assignment. So there you go. That's it. Be in the book. You're the best celebration of friendship. Okay, Leon. Well, Leon, I want to start with some really the, the worst idea of the week. This is such a bad idea. I think we have to start the show with it. I just have to get it out and get it over with. I, a Wall Street Journal had a big story about they're coming up with a new cable uh, TV channel. It's TV for six-month-olds. Now, you know I've just come off a big assignment, uh, babysitting uh, my, uh, my granddaughter, Josephine, who happens to be six months old. She's about to turn seven months old. But what Baby First TV is targeting is very, very young kids. Uh, you know, these are kids like under two, under three. This is not the Sesame Seed, uh, Sesame Street crowd. Sesame Seed, that's funny. Uh, Sesame <laughs> Street crowd. These are kids 
that, you know, that are very, very young. And what they aim to do is they think that they, by showing them, you know, uh, videos and movies and blah, 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 that that's going to improve some of their rudimentary skills. Now, here's the problem, Leanne. The American Association of Pediatrics has a very firm ruling on a guidance uh, to parents, new parents, about young children. And their guidance is no TV for under two-year-olds. No TV. Yeah. They really feel that babies learn best when they're interacting with other people. They should be with their caregiver, with their parents. They should be like sucking on blocks. They should be rolling (laughs) around on the floor. They should be in their strollers, in their high chairs. They, you know, they should be listening to music, whatever. They should not be plopped on a couch, right, watching some TV show, okay? Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's already the Disney Baby Channel. I think there, there's yeah, some the, Baby Channel on my on my on my system, and I it's a terrible idea. I know it seems like not a terrible idea, but they have the rest of their life to watch TV. I know, I know. That <laughs> Just, is, I, this is it. Those first two years, that's when they learn all I kinds know. of things, and they and they're not going to learn it from TV. But sadly, Leanne, the Kaiser Foundation had uh, has has done research on this and. Most babies are watching TV. And what the distributors of this new TV you know, channel has say, have said uh, to promote it, which I just love, is they think this service is going to be good because it has such lo- uh, loyal fans. It's like, <laughs> loyal fans? They're six months old. They don't have any choice if someone plops them on a couch and turns on a TV. That doesn't make them loyal, Leon. <laughs> that's wrong okay that's wrong you know and here's the thing too about babies they don't need that much like uh, uh, they're mesmerized by almost anything you know they love tags rattles a piece of lint okay doesn't have to be television i know and i don't think this is a case of i mean you and i grew up where children had tv we could you know so this is not a case of like old people going don't do that because i also get very when I see kids on the phones and everything at a very young age using the smartphones, I think, okay, would I have done that if that was available to me 15 years ago? And, you know, there are times when you just need five minutes, but it it becomes five hours. That's the problem with almost anything that's so easy and electronic is that keeping a lid on it is just really hard. And I say that as someone who struggles every day with trying to limit their kids' screen time. It just... It only adds up to more, more, more. It never becomes less, less, less. So yeah, I don't no, know I, why you would rush it. That's no, what I would and, say. And this group has makes a big deal about that they have a 500 mother advisory sounding board. But you know what? They're not. They're not making the right call here. You know. I mean, I, maybe they can. You know, pay these women enough to say, "Oh yeah, baby TV. That's a good idea." But. It's really not a good idea. Okay, so this is the worst idea. Okay, listen to Nana. Listen to Nana. Nana knows. Okay, now here's my other big, I have another big, uh, big issue that I really feel like Satellite Sisters, we are, we are poised to really get involved with this issue. And that has to do with uh, breast milk, Liam. I'm pro, you know, I'm a pro breastfeeding. I always have. Always have been. Support, I mean, breast, support those breast, women. breast milk is not only is it, you know, the, you know, the benefits for a baby, you know, they just keep, uh, they keep announcing them that, you know, it does all sorts of wonderful thing to prote- things to protect the baby. But it also now that they realize that breast milk 
can help other types of patients as well. It is what many in the pharmaceutical um, uh, industry are calling. It's the new sort of plasma, you know, that they see that there are other uses for uh, breast milk because it's so high in nutrients and it has so many, you know, it's valuable things. So really, yes, yes. That there's a lot of new research coming out that breast milk can help in other situations. So right now there is not, a national system to donate um, breast milk. And as you know, Leon, because you, you did breastfeed yeah. your children, I did as well. Some women are super good at this and some women, not so much. It does, right. you know, there's a big range, you know, some women yes. are able to, you know, to pump and produce large amounts of breast milk, others, not so much. So, you know, in some states, there are sort of donation banks where if this is one of your skills that you can produce a large amount of breast milk, you can donate this to mothers that have premature babies or who are not able to produce their own breast milk. And, you know, and that seems like a really good thing. But um, in many states, That's so like, time consuming. I, well, I mean, I admire women that can do it because when you're nursing, you spend a lot of time nursing your own baby. But yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, yep. There you go. Okay. So how's it happening? What's your lactivist stance, Julie? Go ahead. (laughs) But in other states, there is no donation bank. And so women have taken to selling breast milk. They had a story in the New York Times about a woman who made $2,000 in the last six months selling excess breast milk that she was not using for her child. Oh gosh. Well, (laughs) I mean, she was like, she has the milk, somebody else wants it. So that's, I mean, who who else wants it? What, what kind of patients benefit from this? Do you have well, I mean, uh, yeah, well, I mean, premature babies. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, got so it. That, okay. But it's also, they're using it in Alzheimer's research. Okay. So it, it is, okay. it is very legitimate, but, um, but so, so then you get in a situation where would people who have the ability to produce a lot, large amount of breast milk, would they be just doing it to earn money or would they be denying their own child the breast milk so that they can earn money? You know, that gets, it's a slippery slope. Right. You know, it really, it really, um, because it's not regulated, um, there's kind of a black market now. So if you Hmm. go online, you want breast milk, maybe somebody could donate, donate it to you, but you don't know any, there's not any proper screening. You really, you know, there's, it's just the wild west out there in terms of breast milk. (laughs) That's what it is. Kind of a funny image. That's all I can say. (laughs) So here's, here's our stance, Leanne. I think that uh, don't donating breast milk should be like donating blood. If this was done on a national level by the Red Cross, by a legitimate organization, then, then the people that need it most premature babies for research, you know, people who are not able to, to nurse their own children would have access to high quality breast milk. Okay. And they wouldn't have to pay $2,000 for it, you know, and it would keep big pharma, which is trying to get involved with breast milk because they see the positive benefits of it, that it's not going to become a commercial product. I think the mother's of the United States should really, you know, rally around this, that we want free breast milk. We want, we want donation banks that are safe and that are regulated so that people can go to it. All right. Don't you think? Sure. No, it's, it, it does seem if it's that, it does seem like the blood is a natural parallel. I mean, I know people also sell their blood, but most people don't. Most people donate it freely and they do so with goodwill. 
And so, yeah, it seems like I don't, yeah, it seems like someone like the Red Cross or uh, somebody in the healthcare industry could get, get on that. Well, Julie, report back on your findings. Go. I I will, Leanne, because (laughs) I Stay on top of this. I mean, I I believe that we can be, this can be a national cause. So, Leanne, one other story for you that just, uh, just another uh, on the baby front. You know, I was in Brooklyn um, and uh, my son, Will, and his, uh, and his wife, Lauren, have some, have some good friends in the neighborhood and Mm -hmm. they were uh, about to have their baby. And, you know, then... The baby hasn't come. The grandparents have arrived. So they had two sets of grandparents in the small apartment, everybody watching, waiting for the baby to come. Okay, but good news is um, the mother went into labor, and because they were going to have the baby at a Manhattan hospital, they called an Uber cab. Leanne, are you, do you, do, you don't do Uber in Los Angeles, but you're familiar with yes, this. This yes. is the... You know, this is sort of the ride-sharing system. Yeah. You you know, you digitally call up a car, and this is a driver's that co- uh, appears, and and they take you to your destination, and it's just wonderful. So they're in the back of an Uber cab, and guess what? The baby comes. Oh they my have, gosh! Are you? <laughs> they have the baby in the back of the Uber cab oh on the way to Mount Sinai Hospital. Oh, you are. Uh, and so they were. Wow, all that surprised. is so unusual. Had they it waited is... till the last minute or? Well, see, this is now, this is a very, you know, a lot of times people don't want to go to the hospital too right. early in because they don't, you know, they don't want to get into some medical intervention. Right. It is quite a way from Brooklyn into Manhattan. Perhaps they had miscalculated it or didn't realize how far, for, how far along they were. But the thing about an Uber, uh, ride share, Leon, is it's very personal between you and the driver. I mean, you talk to the driver a lot. You yeah. generally ask like how they're doing, how long have they been driving for Uber? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not it's like, exactly why I don't do it, by the way. Oh, I, it's, it's very nicely. And I like Uber no. drivers. It's, it's just a little, you're, you know, it's a little more personal. You know, the cars are always super clean. Right. It's a very efficient system. So here was the dad in the back of the Uber car, and he is just apologizing to the driver, who is still just driving, okay? He's not watching action going on in the car. And the dad keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because they are having a baby. Baby in the back. In the back of this Nissan Altima, you know, that that's what is going on. And, uh, but the, but the Uber driver is about to have his first child. So he actually thought it was very exciting. He kept driving, got them to the hospital, mom, the baby, dad, and the Uber cab driver are all fine. They're very good. Happy land. You know what? I'm looking this up now. Cause I think that must've been a news story. And sure enough, here's a headline in the New York post. Yes. Yes. Those are, <laughs> those are Will and Lauren's friends. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a little slow, but is it bringing the story up now? That's an unbelievable story. Well, what did they name the baby? Uber? Uber, yes. <laughs> As it says, no, here she is. Okay, this is the story. Uh, first of all, that's one happy family. <laughs> the New York Post says. And then uh, his wife, Zana. There you go. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. She's much like your, yep, she's an art historian and curator. Yes, yes, you see why they are, and and her husband David is an artist, so uh, they have a lot in common. Yes, yes. Oh, it's such a cute family. I'll post a link to this at satellitesisters dot com. They they gave the baby an Uber rider onesie, so <laughs> there you go. 
Everybody holy was happy. Moly. I know. Holy moly. That was, uh, but that was with the happy ending. I mean, the I'm baby, sure. the baby was born on 57th and park, which is a great address. Yes, it was. <laughs> they did. I didn't quite get to the hospital. But. No. Mm-mm. Wow. Okay. That is hilarious. Okay. Good for them. Great. Okay. Uh, oh, Julie. Okay. I have some, I have some puppy news. <laughs> I have some puppy dog news. news. Okay, not me. All right, just want to oh, say I am not getting a puppy. You know, as many people know, my dog Mia, uh, my beloved ten-year-old German Shepherd, um, I we she died in uh, in December. She got sick and we had to put her down. So I'm really, really missing my dog. Still, like there are certain days when I think she must be out there, and I look in the oh. I look in the living room, and she's not there. So nothing made me happier when my neighbors informed me that they were getting a German Shepherd puppy. Okay. Oh. A German Shepherd, Leanne. That's this that's... is like the best of both worlds. Uh, it's like I'm just going to be the furry godmother, Julie. I just, it's like I can have the puppy without having the puppy. Yes. <laughs> so, and I am so psyched. I am clearly more psyched than they are for the puppy. I think it's dawning on them now that they're getting a puppy, even though I suggested they get a two or three year old Shepherd. They went with the puppy because his family back in central Pennsylvania, they are breeders. They breed beagles and they knew another breeder that had a litter of German shepherd puppies and they specifically wanted a a shepherd for some protection. And so basically, Julie, they're getting an Amish German shepherd. (laughs) So I don't, he's not going to drive. He He doesn't drive or use technology or anything, but, um, so (laughs) So I am excited. He arrives uh, in Los Angeles um, in a couple of days. Okay. I, I volu- Are you naming this puppy? Are they allowed? The puppy's to already named Maverick. He's a little boy puppy named Maverick. And uh, we're volunteering our minivan so that they can drive to the airport. Because they said, oh, we don't really need to crate the puppy. You know, we, we can't fit a crate in our car. I was like, oh, you need to crate the puppy. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to... You. So they've never really had a dog. No, right? they've no. had. Well, he had P- German. Uh, he had Doberman Pinterest growing up, um, but the wife has never had a dog. But they don't recall. You know, uh, he doesn't. The dad doesn't recall like the puppy stage. Right. So I mean, they're in for it basically, <laughs> and it's almost like you know trying to tell a, a soon-to-be parent like what the yeah. first year of parenthood is like or what labor's like. You just really can't. They refuse to believe you, or they think the maternity leave they're going to be getting a lot of rest and you know catching up on some novels and stuff like that you can't talk people out of that so once they decided to go with the puppy I just had to go great yeah a puppy so um I am super excited I have uh gotten out Kyra Sundance you know she's the satellite sister who listens mm-hmm. to the show all the time but she's also a very well-known dog trainer, and she trains uh, dogs for movies, and she is an international best-selling author. So I have a copy of her book, 101 Dog Tricks, the Kids Edition, and I think I can handle that. I think I'm going to be teaching Maverick, hide your head under a cushion. That looks like a cute <laughs> trick. Balance on a brick. I think Maverick's going to be very smart. So uh, are you really announcing a new career, Leanne? You're going into the German Shepherd dog <laughs> training uh, line no, of work? I have just I have just volunteered to walk him occasionally. Oh, well, I don't want to be a regular. I don't want I don't want to be like a paid dog walker, but I you know, they're going to be at work. 
I miss my dog. I miss walking my dog. It's a natural for me to just walk Maverick, you know? And, and oh, then I the thought. The dog's going to be home alone. Yeah. Oh, the puppy. Oh, yeah, Lisa. puppy. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I know. I mean, they're going to, they're going to make some provisions to come home for lunch and stuff while the dog's still little, but, um, yeah, no, Maverick's going to need a friend, a furry godmother. And that's. <laughs> That's gonna be me. Land, that's I'm, nice. I'm super psyched. I can't. I can't wait to teach him how to uh, do the flying disc and the coordination ladder and the skateboard. I would love to teach him to skateboard while they're at work. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a nice little surprise when they come home? Come here, ma'am. Come here. <laughs> so, oh, toy under the blanket. Okara, it's a really cute book. So I'll put a link to the book on the website too, in case you have a new puppy or somebody in the family wants to teach the dog some cute tricks. Uh, she does a great job, and it's all it's lots of pictures and and things you can make for your dog, activities, games, and crafts. But anyway, Maverick is arriving this week. Super psyched. So okay, there you go. that's good. That is, I think, that's a good step for you. It is a good and- step. It is yes. a good step. And, yeah. And then, then you know, yeah. you, you will be a good neighbor and a good furry godmother. Yes, no I will be. Yes, I will yes. be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A couple of weeks ago on the Facebook page, um, somebody posted, let me bring that up. Uh, Joan posted uh, an op-ed from the New York Times and it was entitled In College and Hiding from Scary Ideas. Universities, rather than being forums for free expression, are encouraging, quote, safe spaces to protect delicate sensibilities. And it was written by Judith Schulwitz. She was a college professor and is now a writer. But Joan said, you know, she would love to hear our our perspective on this, Julie, she's an administrator at a non-Ivy. She specified non-Ivy League university. Joan, that's fine. We went to non-Ivy League universities. (laughs) (laughs) Many, many fine people. Excellent. It's an excellent place to go, a non-Ivy League university or college. Uh, And uh, so Joan was wondering what, you know, what our opinions were. And in the gist of the article, again, I'll put a link at SatelliteSisters.com, is that colleges now have it appears to have been bent over backwards to create these safe spaces. If they bring someone to campus that might be doing a lecture on a controversial subject like race relations or abortion or sexual assault, that there's an alternative event happening where people who maybe have been previously traumatized by these events can go and work through it while the rest of the campus presumably is at this lecture. But Mm -hmm. it extends to, uh, you know, universities far and wide. Mm-hmm. And it has its roots, the safe spaces idea has its roots in the 60s and 70s in the LG, uh, LGBT um, community, but it's extended to a lot of things now. So, and the idea is that instead of mixing it up sometimes intellectually and being challenged, that is this students on campus being protected to the extent where they can't even hear other ideas. Uh, it's a very thoughtful and well-written piece. And so you should go take a look. But I was talking to my son about this. Now, you know, my reaction is that colleges should be a place um, where people can engage in intellectual discussions without being just shut down, where everybody, every voice should be heard is what I would say. Uh, And we have talked, Julie, about these trigger warnings, which is related that now professors are writing into uh, their syllabus about this book has this in it. This book has, you know, racist terms in it. This book may have a sexual assault in it. And we've talked about that, like 
does that impair the intellectual process if you kind of know what's coming? And, um, and so I think you should be able to mix it up in college, frankly. And I know that in college, but I also know colleges is where people have a lot of strong, bad ideas. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. That they're yeah, firmly held. Very um, strongly about yes. their little slice of the intellectual pie. You know, yeah, I mean, we all did things in college that we look back on. We're like, we were such idiots. Or what were we thinking about? Or why did we feel so strongly about that? Or, you know, protest of three people protesting, you know, the the food source in the in the cafeteria, things like that. Like, God bless college students for really caring so deeply about tiny things. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to my son, Colin, about this. I started to explain he's a 17-year-old junior. You know, we're starting to look at schools for him next year. And I I started to explain this issue, but he knew all about it because, Julie, his people are the internet, all right? That's, that's where he lives. He, he, I mean, that's that's where well, he mixes it up. He is very engaged in uh, current events, in political debates. He cares a lot about learning stuff about that kind of thing. And so uh-huh. he goes to forums like Reddit. He reads newspapers online. He's in a lot of discussion forums, like where he actually, he and his friends started a club at school called informal debate where they pick a topic every week and they debate about it. He likes to mix it up. And, Mm -hmm. and in this article in the New York times, some of the blame was placed on the parents. You know, we have this generation now of helicopter parents and, and, and parents trying to protect their kids from any failure, any heartache or anything that's hard or working through anything that doesn't, you know, fit very nicely on a resume. And so I said, Colin, do you think it's, it's my fault? Is, is it the parents' fault? Like, or have we been too protective? And so that makes, uh, that makes kids of your generation not intellectually resilient. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, it's the kid's fault. <laughs> He said it's all the kids' it's fault. Good. He said, no, in part, it's the kids' fault. He said, Mom, you can't believe how people identify themselves in some of these forums. He said, for instance, one guy identified himself that he uh, he identifies not with being male or female or even with being human, but he identifies with the planet Pluto. <laughs> seriously yeah that's that's yes and so people said like that's crazy he was like are you are you planet racist i mean that's the kind of thing that's what i mean like some of these ideas boycott astronomy classes i guess i don't know that's what i mean he said i don't really understand it i don't understand why people don't want to get in there and mix it up and uh i thought that was an interesting perspective but he said he feels like it's kind of seen as, uh, you know, what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to identify with the narrow segment of people. He said, so I see people online that only see everything. And I believe he used this term through the prism of depression or their eating disorder or their cutters or, you know, their sexual orientation, he said. And that is very limiting. And it's not the kind of college I would like to go to. I'd like to go to a school where I would feel safe to have an alternative point of view or to hear an alternative point of view. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That, well, it is interesting from his, you know, to hear, because he's going to be the one in college. Right. He's going to be the one. What does he need to develop intellectually? Does he need, you know, does he need alternative po- uh, points of view or does he need more of a safe space? And, it's, you know, and, and it's, so it's, it's interesting to hear that he would like to mix it up a little. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think colleges are really, 
you know, walking a fine line, scratching their heads about how to, you know, how to bring intellectual rigor to the college campus, intellectual debate, and yet at the same time manage the sensibilities or the traumatic experiences that some students may have uh, experienced in their lives. And it's, and it's hard, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I sort of, I tend to agree with you, Leanne. I think in the name of free speech right. and in the name of intellectual discussion, you know, we should kind of err on that side. And as I say this, I'm sort of sensitive to the idea that, you know, other people who have actually, you know, been in very difficult situations or traumatized may not agree with that point of view. That's, you know, that's it. But well, I think, I think you too, miss out. you also you also have to give um, credit to these 18, 19, 20 year old kids. I, I, I do feel like some of them know what's best. And if there's a subject that's being debated in a class, I feel like they can handle it themselves if it's uncomfortable for them in a deeply personal way. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure it has to be a campus wide ban on things because a couple of people can't, you know, really personally identify with it. I'm not sure that's the kind of intellectual uh, atmosphere we want to create on a college campus. So well, let, let me give you an example. I mean, at my alma mater, um, Smith College, they had invited Christine Lagarde, who is head of the International Monetary Fund, to be the commencement speaker. Okay, an all-women's college dedicated to promoting women, women's rights, women's issues, uh, you know, advancing women. Okay, so Christine Lagarde, pretty much at the top of her game in her field. But because... (laughs) Yes, yeah. yeah, I mean, mean, there are very few... Hugely powerful woman in the world. Yes, yes. Okay, but there was a protest because of the funding practices of the International Monetary Fund. Students and and some faculty on campus disagreed with the funding uh, practices and philosophies of the IMF um, uh, with regards to the third world. And so she was disinvited that... She was not, you know, she was, you know, she uh, she decided not to speak at commencement because, you know, and they thought and Smith agreed that that would be a good idea because because there there might be some protests, you know, and and, you know, here is a woman who has like she has, a, you know, she probably has a, a powerful and an important point of view that even if you disagree with it, you should listen to it. Right. I mean, I mean, she's not chopped liver, Liam, right? <laughs> no, no. In fact, you are not the only Smith grad. I, I have two good friends who both went to Smith here, and both of them wrote strong letters saying, how, how could my alma mater do this? This is one of the most powerful women in the world. And whether yeah. or not you disagree, agree with her ideas, that doesn't mean she doesn't have a right to speak on campus. And that's when it becomes nuts, I think. Right. I mean, that. yeah, because, uh, I mean... And some of it was like, oh, well, you know, they don't want the commencement speaker to be controversial. I mean, everyone just wants John Stewart to speak right. at the commencement. That's it. You know? Well, he's going to have a lot of free time. So. Yes, he is. So maybe he'll be, he'll do that. But, uh, so it, but I think, I think this article about, uh, or editorial about safe spaces and their role and, you know, how, how uh, the u- university can continue to promote free speech and free ideas and the exchange of ideas is, and it's a good discussion. Yeah, it is. It's a good discussion. So do, we'll put this link on the, um, on the satellite sisters, uh, blog post. If you, particularly if you have a college student or a, a child in high school, it's an interesting discussion because Colin did say 
after he read the piece, he's like, I am disinclined to go to some of the schools, to the schools mentioned in this piece. <laughs> so, okay, Brown, you're off the list, man. Okay. You're off the list. <laughs> All right. All right, all right, Leon, get your pen out or, pay, or, or pencil or whatever kind of tablet you have there, okay? More, do you ever read more magazine, Leon? Or you're not? Or I you, am a I, subscriber, Julie. You know you it. Are. Yeah, you, I'm you, a you feel like you're, you can self-identify with a magazine that's sort of devoted to older women. That's good. I, I like to hear that, Leon. They had a story in their finance section, uh, portfolio finance section. 15 Habits of Rich People, Leon. I was like, okay, I'm in. And this was, they, the premise of this article is, or is that if you mimic the habits of these rich people, that you will start towards big sums yourself. That if you just start doing this, big sums of money are going to come <laughs> rolling in, Leon. Okay, so I was excited. Okay, first of the big habits, Leon, was do you wake up when it's still dark? Because apparently this is what rich people do, that they get up early, um, they are you know, more likely to, to uh, multimillionaires are much more likely to get up and start working very early, even when it's dark in the morning. I always wake up early, Leanne. I, I've been an early riser. <laughs> Me too. Life. Again, no change in the bank account <laughs> when uh, <laughs> I checked it this morning, uh, even though it was still dark. Number two, this is an interesting habit of rich people. They listen to audiobooks while they're commuting. Oh. That's okay, that's, uh, perhaps they listen to podcasts as well, like the Satellite <laughs> Sisters, but they use that commute time uh, for, um, for audiobooks rather than just uh, news shows or radio shows or listening to music. <laughs> okay, steer clear of the vending machines, Leanne. Rich people don't eat empty calories. I don't totally believe that, but I can see that a rich person uh, might not, you know, might not need to go to the vending machine. They might have people to go get them a bag of potato chips. <laughs> That's what I think. Or they eat, well, they are fat cats, so they eat those fat cat lunches. And, yeah, uh... yeah, yeah, so they're, they're full. They don't, have, they don't have to, like, bring their own lunch and eat at their desk, right. okay? Okay, they, um, they, they have an Amazon membership. Well, I, I'm an Amazon <laughs> member, too. Again, do not see the connection between ordering things on Amazon and getting rich. This is a problem. Am I missing something? I, I ordered a pair of clogs last night. No, you did not. I did. Leon, another pair of clogs? I, Julie, get one pair a year. I like them. Let back off. I got some black patent leather ones. I got to go to that robotics tournament. Got to be on my feet at a convention center for three days. Nothing better than clogs. Am I right, doctors? So... <laughs> okay. All right. Um, uh, cleaning out your voicemail. Apparently rich people respond to uh, their calls in a timely fashion. They do not let uh, their voicemail um, uh, back up. I don't think rich people even listen to voicemail anymore. <laughs> That's I, I, I think people is hi, it's so-and-so. And then they just, they just delete the message, but okay. Okay. All right. Um, they network for five hours or more a month. Oh, well, well, then I'm out. <laughs> I think I mean, you already do that, Leanne. I think you're busy. Look what you're networking with your neighbors. You're finding all out about their German Shepherd puppy, Maverick. And is, this is really what you write your books about is like things around you. So uh, I, I don't I think of it as eavesdropping, not networking. <laughs> like the, all the, the, the lovely Pasadena ladies in my deep water workout class, they are just chock full of material. I just eavesdrop on their conversation every single day. Okay. Okay. So, so far, 
None of these suggestions. <laughs> I, I, I do not see the link. I'm a, I'm a little yeah. destroyed. Okay, it says you should become your own boss. Well, we are at Satellite Sisters. <laughs> Actually, you're you're my boss, Link. And that has been a money loser. But okay, <laughs> that's fair. <been, laughs> so it's a lot of fun, though. We have a lot of fun. We do have a lot of fun. Focus on the future. Yeah, I focus on the future. Don't you yeah. focus on the future? Again. Don't see how that's helping. Don't see how that's helping. Well, I guess if you took the opposite, like if you dwelled on the past, yes, you might get stuck. If you never returned your emails, right, you probably, or your voicemails, you probably wouldn't do as well as at work. You know, if you never networked or talked to anyone or tried to have a conversation about your career, right, not going to be good. The Amazon membership would be a sign that you have money. I don't think it's... I don't think it's going to make you rich, but I'm just trying to understand. Okay. Yeah. Any more? Is that the well, last one? Well, no, there, there's more. I mean, yep. there, again, there, uh, there, I mean, here's one, let's see, uh, make a lateral move or take a step down. Now we have all done that. Yes. We, that's, we've excelled at that. Yep. <laughs> and that if you do that, it creates other opportunities to earn more, or it may propel you into a different career. Well, I don't. I don't see we've had any profe- uh, any of that forward mo- motion, land. But we're still putting it out there. So, um, and it says don't retire ever. I think that's good advice. So I'm not opposed to any of these habits. Right. I just feel like that this article was misleading. You know that <laughs> there's you could be doing all of these things mm-hmm. and not earn a red cent. That's, that's true. Yes, yes. that so, is true. So it's left me bitter, Leanne. So I, this is, uh, there you have it. Um, I, a well, bitter- okay. But Julie, I want to get you out of the bitterness. Okay, let's okay. let's look to the future. And you okay, know, what the, you know what the future holds, Julie. It holds a new season of Outlander. And that starts Saturday night. Now yeah. that this is the uh, time-traveling <laughs> television show that we so enjoyed last year. I have right. read the books, big fan for 20 years, thrilled to see it come to the small screen. Julie, total newbie, has no idea what's going to, didn't know what was happening in season one, doesn't know what's going to happen in season two. So really, out- I didn't want any part of time traveling. So if you, I would say, Leanne, it's a story about uh, Scotland. Don't mention the time travel. Yeah. That really throws <laughs> people off because they, uh, I've mentioned it to people uh, like our brother Jim and uh, our sister-in-law Mary because they were they were looking for some somewhere to go after Downton Abbey, and I suggested, well, we're going to be picking up on the Outlander, and I and I said the words time travel, and Mary's Mary's eyes rolled back. Okay. She was out. She wasn't going there. So maybe if you could just say it's set in the Scottish Highlands or something. Good point. Good okay. point. But I don't think we have to be ashamed that we enjoyed time travel because, Julie, I was uh, rewatching episodes one and two last night. Stars is running the whole season over oh, the cool. next week. Or if you don't have stars, but you can find a friend with stars, you can watch episodes one through eight all day Saturday. You can spend all day Saturday watching the first season to get ready for the debut Saturday night of season two. So, and I was just reminded how good it is, how beautifully it's shot, how good the acting is, how well it's written, and really how great Jamie looks in that kilt last night. So I, I am super psyched for season two, Julie. I am so psyched. So, well, I think I will take your advice, Leanne, and rewatch some of Out. Uh, yeah, Leanne, or, that'll make you, you know, feel better. That'll make you, know, you feel better. 
you know, you know, the other buzz that's going around is, you know, Wolf Hall is is a six um, episode miniseries is starting this weekend, too. And I was talking to some of my friends about that. The, my problem with that, Leon, is I never finished the book. I found the book uh, boring. Uh, but my friend said in a very nice tone, she said, well, then maybe the miniseries is made for you, Julie. You know, like... <laughs> Like I couldn't read the whole book, but I could handle a TV miniseries. I don't think she meant it that way, but that's sort of how it came out. What do you think? You know, Julie, we'll- it's so funny you should say that because that book is in your guest room in, in Dallas. And yes. I have tried for the last three years, every time I've gone to Dallas, I have picked up that book intending to read it. And I can't get through the first couple chapters. And I like history a ton. So yes. I don't know. It just did not do it for me. But um, yeah, I know there's a lot of pressure to do Wolf Hall, but I think we're going to stick with with Outlander. Okay. Okay, Lynn. Stay strong. Does have Damian Lewis, Wolf Hall. So that's true. Could be really good. And we love him. And Mm -hmm. he gets to speak in a British accent in this one. Uh, So that will be fantastic. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think we're going to stick just for pure viewing pleasure. We're going to, we're going to stick with the kilts. We're going to stick with the Scots. That's what I say. That is what I say. Um, Oh, one other funny note. Uh, I love Betsy on the uh, Facebook page. Several people have asked us about how come Uncommon Senses isn't on Audible. And uh, it's oh. we did an audio version of the book. And uh, Audible didn't exist when the book came out. That's one of the reasons why it's not. And there are several other reasons. It's a whole actually a different contract and different producers and people buy your audio rights. So it's it's not it's not automatic that your publisher will also do an audio version of the book. It's two different things. But Betsy keeps, Betsy keeps saying, Betsy's like, no, I bought it a couple of years ago, but the sisters didn't read it. So it was really traumatizing. I was like, <laughs> Betsy. That was us. We were just so, so bad at it that we don't even sound like ourselves. And she's still this. She's like, huh, interesting. Were there two versions? No, Betsy, just one bad version. I really regret, I was, I've seen that Facebook traffic land and I was just hoping it would go away. I was not going to comment on it because, you know, all of the sisters have have hoped that all audio copies of Uncommon Senses somehow ended up at the bottom of the ocean. No, no, they're in my closet. That's where they are. I bought out, I think the last of the Amazon ones. I have three cases in my closet that will go down with me, that will be buried with me. Yes, they need to be uh, put in some tomb or something like that, never to be found. And so, yeah, no, there's, we were just super bad at it. So, yeah. but if you're curious, please do not do not seek out the audio. <laughs> audio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we was very young in our audio careers. You know, we were only a couple years into doing the show, two years really. And reading for an audio book is very, very different than being on air. That's why they use trained actors in most. Uh, people that have had actual like stage and screen experience are much better at reading than say us. And um, it was painful. I weren't you? We only had to read two or three pieces, but Julie, weren't you there like eight hours? I was. I was I'm still shaking. I'm really having like flashbacks now they they made me eat an apple because i guess that somehow makes your voice seem clearer you're able to pronounce the words better it didn't work i was i i feel like the bits of apple choking on my in the back of my throat right now oh that was the worst one it's a top 10 worst experiences of my life so so betsy i assure you it's us because we'll never forget it so 
<laughs> there you have it. All right. Oh. Don't forget to go to SatelliteSisters.com if you mm-hmm. want to contribute to You're the Best, a celebration of friendship. We're looking for three words to describe your best friend. And, uh, you know, they can be nouns. I was just thinking that. Uh, they could be like adventurer. They could be skeptic. Or they could be adventurous or skeptical. So just three words. Uh, should I specify noun or adjective? No. I'm just going to no, let people uh, I, I decide. I might say so, so smart. Uh, to uh, describe my uh, good friend. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> adverb, adverb, adjective. Is yes, that what you're like, going with? Yes, so, so smart. Okay. That's, <laughs> see, okay. I just leave it open, Leanne. Our, we have okay. a very talented uh, group of satellites. We do, we do. So I, 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 they, uh, they take better direction than the other sisters. So the That's actual, true. actual sisters. I'm sure, that is absolutely I'm sure true. they won't turn things in late, Leanne, or anything like that, or her. Or, or incomplete. Uh, okay, so you, we want three words to describe your best friend or your great group of friends, and then uh, your fictional friend, <laughs> people, someone in a book, on TV, in a movie, or a celebrity that you will never ever meet who you think of as your best friend. Uh, that's what we want to hear at uh, at satellitesisters dot com. All right, Julie, have a, a good Easter week. Are yes. you doing anything uh, special? Are you gonna stay in Dallas and staying in Dallas and enjoying you know Easter week, Leanne. It's gonna be it's going to be a good one how about yourself you got some easter celebrations we are staying here colin starts spring break on thursday so um so he's doing a couple days at the beach with some friends but other than that we're gonna we're gonna be here so um (laughs) it's kind of snuck up on us i I would say our lenten preparations were not that strong this year (laughs) You got, you got a big, this is Holy Week, Land. Big week. Finish strong. Finish strong, Land. Okay. All right, Joel. I'm going to do it. I'm going to okay. do it. All right. Don't forget. Call your satellite sister.